0: Off the, the
1: Groove with, with Scotty Dubler. July 2nd, 2021, episode number 192. You know, when I think of
0: 192, I think of 192.68.whatever, whatever, whatever. Is that like, what is that,
1: like the IP address? Um, maybe, yeah, I think it Damn. is. You don't think of Brandon Price? Damn. Brandon Price? No, Brandon Price is 92. Well, he is now, but like BP192, 192. BP92. That's true. I don't know. And... And Maryland's
0: coming up this weekend. That's where Price is from. He's <laughs> going to be at the Barbara Fritchie. He
1: went really well in Lima, too, dude. Like, he was crushing it there in Lima.
0: I thought he was going to get up there and get on the podium, yeah. but he ended up just uh, just off the podium, but yeah. uh, he had a heck of a battle uh, raging back there for, for the third and fourth spot.
1: Well, uh, we'll definitely get into Lima here in a bit, but uh, how the hell are you, dude?
0: Dude, I'm good. I uh, had a good weekend in Lima, stopped by Greenville on Friday night, to kind of a a weird circumstance that, uh, I took a trip up there just for a few minutes, tried to help Shelby Miller. Uh, his ride got stranded in Idaho. We didn't find out about it until we got off the airplane. He didn't have a ride. So I put him in my rental car with me. We just left the airport. Michael Hill called and said the vans broke down there in Idaho, 23 hours away. I was like, okay, let's start thinking. Uh, I pulled off the interstate. I was like, first thing you got to have you got to have an airbag suit or you can't race yeah i said you're a big boy right he's like six foot he's one of the bigger guys in our sport yeah and he knows that it's not a secret so we got to find an airbag suit i was like all right so i started texting people he started texting people i said okay they're racing in greenville right now there's hooligan guys over there maybe one of those guys might have an airbag suit so we got off detoured went to greenville we were originally just going straight to lima Went to Greenville, got there, went around to all the hooligan guys. None of them had an airbag suit. Uh, went and saw the Bros. They didn't have any airbag suits there. They had, uh, we were looking then the for an air air uh, vest that you could wear underneath your airbag suit. Mm-hmm. Nothing was working out. So at, at one point, he just called it quits. I watched a few semifinals, saw a few, you, few people. Tim Reardon was there, got to see him. Nice. Uh, just for a minute. And of course, everybody stopped me through the pit area gave away some of my uh our off the groove stickers and then um roamed around and uh watched two main events saw the open pro main event and i saw the open amateur main event then i hit the road up to lima
1: nice how far away about an hour away from lima that is
0: it was an hour hour and 15 something like that there's just (laughs) no quick way to get there you gotta go through you know some county roads you know stop signs stop lights and uh traffic and farmers and stuff like that so it's not too terrible
1: who was uh who were some of the fast people down there in greenville Ooh,
0: you know Bronson was on a framer. I think it was Johnny Goats framer, and he was flying what? that bike. Uh, that bike gave up the ghost though, so it gave up. Uh, the normal guys were up front. Uh, ben Lau and Raspoli were testing some stuff on their twins, so they're a little bit further back. But, yeah. Oh, James Ott was riding Terrence Santaro's bike, and was hmm. running like fourth or fifth, which was cool to see him on a Kawasaki. Normal people are up front. No, no big surprises. Chase Sadoff, he won by a straightaway in the open amateur class that kid's the real deal he's gonna go pro i think he'll wait until the start of next season but uh keep keep him uh as the top spot for the nikki hayden horizon award this year
1: yeah i mean i don't think that's the first time or won't be the last time this season that we hear winning by straight away chase sat off i mean the kid just doesn't win he dominates um yeah so yeah it's it's fun to watch and i love those uh those local races that that was a robbie bobby event right
0: yes yep they raced there friday and sunday i didn't stick around for sunday i had to fly home but uh sunday not a lot of the pros stick around either so it's probably a little bit lesser crowd but there was over 200 entries there on friday night it was a hooligan championship series uh it was part of the vintage national series too so uh with those you know two classes added to robbie bobby's event um there was a lot of track prep going on um they said it was really really slick unless you got up really high and i think i've been to greenville quite a few times I actually raced uh, aft races, as well as ama pro back then uh it was the highest racing line i've ever seen it was up there close to the hay bale so wow. you have very very small margin for error Hmm. You want, you want to
1: talk some lima i love to talk some lima i always love talking lima
0: why did not why don't you show up i look for you
1: um, I didn't show up. I there was there's been a lot going on in the past week here in the Carter's world. Um, I, I've already been to Lima. We talked about this.
0: Okay, okay, I just put you on the
1: spot. I wanted so to be in Lima. To- I wanted to be in Lima and damn it I missed some good racing while I was there. Mm. while I was not there. It was, it was really good. In in all three classes too. Yeah. I mean for you know, the
0: the production twins class wasn't that great because Johnny Lewis got way out in front. They started closing him on him there at the end, but it's still johnny lewis show there in production twins the singles class was great henry wiles and max whale again it's been whale wiles wiles whale mm-hmm. you know, back and forth mm-hmm. they've won four, the last four races if you put those two together morgan mishler came from the third row all the way up to third yeah. and i gotta give a, a, another shout out we, we i mentioned james ott down there at greenville but he came from using the provisional all the way up to like a, a fifth place finish so he rode the wheels off of it And what surprises me about that is when you come from the West Coast, there's not cushions out there. So I don't know how many cushions he's raced. Yeah. But it definitely helped him to race Friday night, I think. And he looked really good there on Saturday night. Uh, Super Twins, man, what can you say? Briar and B-Rob put on one heck of a battle for the lead. JV20 and uh, uh, Brandon Price mixing up back there for third and fourth. The surprise to me, though, was Jared Meese Mm. way back in eighth i think i think the knee was definitely giving him some fits it's a very physical track you actually go in there throw it into the corner and rely on on, on putting that weight on that left knee so i think that's why he was back in the pack uh he'll have a couple of weeks to recuperate before he go to de Coin, which is a mile track where he won't have to use it as much so uh i just you know b rob threw a, a hail mary going into the last corner went in low drifted up but obviously went a little bit too far and briar snuck back on by but Breyer taking the win b rob second jv20 was third it was a great race
1: yeah i don't think i'd seen uh i don't think don't think, don't think i've seen a battle that good uh at lima since the uh mis and uh carver battle a couple of years ago that was pretty amazing and uh before that i think it was the uh wiles and and halbert battle that i've seen on video so that's pretty badass to see um, always fun to watch people go at Lima. I think Cody Kopp had a really good run too for uh for his young and, and like the, only the second time he's been at that that track I think he finished sixth uh so that was pretty impressive to see as well um I don't know man i, I got a shout out to Ryan varnes too he's had a string of bad luck but able to put a, a good a whole day together i think and finish uh second and, and I,
0: what i i got I got some more on that too so when I walked through the pit area they only had one bike did you know in practice and qualifying they got a rock into the cases that actually broke the case what this is this is some behind the scenes stuff just because i was talking to sammy sabedra about it they put something on there they jb welded it they Hmm. must have brought some jb weld from you put some duct tape over that and it got them through the night so they just about did not get a podium finish again bad luck A, a rock you know and i've seen pictures uh, the guys are beat up, especially their left arms are all beat up. Uh, you see pipes bent, you know, cause there's, there's rocks out there. I mean, sometimes they're not little bitty pea gravel. Sometimes there's chunks of rocks. And, uh, you know, part of that, part of that race is you got to finish it. Yeah. You know? And Varnes just about didn't finish, but congratulations to him. Get back on the podium.
1: Yeah. I don't think anybody had anything for Lewis, but, uh, Varnes was charging and what a charge that whole entire main event. And, you know, I think could have had him a, maybe another couple of laps. He might've had that, that, um, first position i don't
0: know he he thinks one more lap and and maybe so you know and then the johnny lewis held the flag out in front mm-hmm. of him i mean that's just
1: mm-hmm. that's just
0: you know kind of goofing off but you know pennsylvania guys again johnny's originally from pa uh it's his birthday today so happy birthday to johnny lewis i don't know if he still listens to our podcast he makes it a rare appearance here and there uh but you know it was a it was a good race and like you said barnes was coming cory texter Got, a, got a, a, another hell of a hole shot. But from row number two, mm-hmm. they made his way up to the front, and then he got to stick around up in the front.
1: And Vanderkoy, Ohio boy, finishing on the podium again. He's definitely feeling like he belongs there, I'm sure. And he does, dude. He's doing pretty well. Be interesting to see uh, with the charge from B-Rob here as of late, uh, how the rest of the second half of the season uh, pans out as far as points go.
0: Well, he, he's definitely the title contender. It's it's. It, I think be, myself, it's between uh, Briar and B-Rob. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's that, that stands out to me that, that's a, a negative to B-Rob is we still have to go to Peoria. B-Rob is not a TT rider, so B-Rob needs to finish in front of Briar as many times as he can before we get there and after we leave there because, you know, B-Rob's a good maybe fifth to seventh place finisher there, and Briar's a threat to win there. So uh that's a that's a huge points difference right there so brandon's got to pick up as many as many wins and finish as, m- as many times as he can in front of briar
1: yeah um the other series will be pretty good going down to the wire too i think the singles class will be fun to watch i think tied.
0: Tex- they're tied yeah Tex- tied for the lead. that's
1: nuts um texter is pretty much wrapped up the production twins so it'll be a battle for second and third there i think throughout the rest of the year but uh but um, some good racing there in Lima, and uh, the track held up pretty well. Uh, it was a bit rocky from what I've heard too, but uh, that's—I mean—that's not unheard of there for for Lima as well.
0: Right, I think I think what didn't happen is is sometimes they get there the day before and and they send a crew up and just walk out there and pick up the big stuff, throw it off the racetrack. Friday it was raining there, hmm. so I think that might have hampered that a little bit. It also. They started watering the track a little bit later on Saturday than they had planned because of the the threat of rain. So, you know, for all that, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great racing. I was in the Finding the Finish uh, trailer again, so I can't see every little bit of the racetrack, so I missed a few things. Is
1: that your new spot?
0: For convenience sake, it is at at a lot of the races because Brad Baker, obviously in a wheelchair, can't get everywhere. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the track in Lima, they're going to have timing scoring was gonna be downstairs upstairs was gonna be Chad who's pretty much race control uh 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 Kevin Crowther who's the director of competition chief operating cup of competition whatever you want to give his title uh and there's a bunch of stuff going on up there so if Brad and I were there too I'd have to turn around in circles to watch everything so for convenience I was in the trailer and uh it worked out all right it's also good because it's it was windy there so Mm there's no wind affecting the microphone Mm and affecting the sound um and also while we're talking about that i gotta give a shout out to tommy Duma. tommy came in there filled in the booth he was there for a practice and all qualifying he got up we opened up the back door of the trailer we rolled brad baker in we did opening (laughs) ceremonies and we kept going like it was flawless but there's a lot going on but tommy did a great job and when he got done he goes he goes, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I text you at every race and you respond and never yeah. stop talking. I was like, I was like, it just happens. You know, I just, I'm not tooting my own horn, but he, he goes, my props, you know, my hat's off to you and Brad. So,
1: well, I, cool. I just want to take a second because, you know, I, I have been and will be critical of, of a broadcast, but you guys, what you guys are doing on the, on the, uh, NBC side of things or whatever uh, track pass uh you guys are doing one hell of a deal i mean the, the from start to finish you guys are, are putting on a pretty damn good show and it's 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 non-stop from interviews to you know just banter back and forth between you guys from you to Kristen to ricky to you know to the riders it's pretty cool uh from start to finish on on some of these races so you guys should be pretty proud of the work you're doing there for sure
0: you know, we we were on a high because Oklahoma City night number two went so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lima, with all the track prep, it kind of throws a, a curveball. Like I got up out of my seat one time to run to the bathroom. I was like, I was like, somebody's gonna have to feel for a minute because I gotta go, you know. And and gotta that go, was the only gotta go. I got, up, I, I got two bites of a hamburger, and that was it. So I mean, it, it was a lot of work, but it was definitely worth it because it was a good show. It yeah. just, I think, a few of the segments didn't work out as well as they did in Oklahoma City. Um but you know we're working on things. I like Ricky's segment between in between two turns. Mm-hmm. I love it because mm-hmm. he can be himself and he you know he can get these riders to be themselves before they put their helmets on. I love it. before they get serious about racing. So I'm digging it too and I give a lot of those props to Brad Jones, who's yeah. uh, the new guy in your old seat. So thanks to Brad. Uh, and Brad loves this sport and you can definitely tell because he he knows all about the riders. We probably talk six times a week. You know, talking about storylines, talking about, well, who could do good here? What, who's done good here? Mm-hmm. And so it gives us, you know, things to follow and stuff like that. And since he's been gone a couple of years, it's good because uh, he asked the questions like the fans want to know. You know, so it's the same thing. So, it, it, you know, like somebody that's in it every week like me, you know, I don't even think about some of these things. But he'll come up with an idea like, well, what about this? And I'm like, all right, you know, if it sounds good, we'll roll with it. If, if it doesn't, we scrap it and move on to something else. But I love it anyways enough about that what uh, this weekend i'm head out to maryland for the 100th barbara fritchie classic nice frederick
1: maryland know where i'm Dude, going i can't wait uh, red, to- bud! Play- red no bud red bud red bud
0: i went to red bud last year with you you did that is right. And, and, and some, some somebody left their rental car keys in my car, and it mm-hmm. cost me three hours. I'm not gonna say who that was, Carter. Never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm flying in. I'm flying in Saturday. Renting a car from two something totally different because there's no rental cars available. Oh man. And, and uh, doing the race on Sunday and flying out first thing on Monday morning. So in and out. I'm hoping to get there in time to go to May's because I gotta have some seafood there on saturday night in frederick right down
1: from Fredericktown yamaha i love it love it i might see if i can get a red eye out saturday night to come check out the one it's 100 is it really the 100th how many have you been there for 97
0: (laughs) i'm old but i'm not that old (laughs) you know i've probably been there for seven or eight i'd have to go back and check Mm -hmm. my books nice yeah well, we've had we've had our guests, we've recorded this one probably three or four weeks ago when we were yeah. in Milwaukee. Yep. And we've been dying to get it out. We didn't know for sure if they were going to be racing last weekend, but they did show up. They raced in Greenville and they raced in Lima. Uh, unfortunately, had a few mechanicals, uh, which when you come out with a brand new motorcycle that nobody else has, you've got to shake the bugs down. The only way, race to, place to do that is at the track. Uh, so they had a few issues, but we know for sure that the Gateleys won't stop trying and they're gonna they're gonna make that thing go it's uh, got some great numbers on the dyno and they've got a great rider you know twisting the throttle in danny esley
1: yeah super cool story and uh you know it's definitely like you said it's been one that we've been wanting to get out there for a while even before you know we recorded it a few weeks ago but we've been wanting to get this interview for months uh so uh definitely looking forward to this one mr bill gately bill gately
0: scotty dubler how are you sir
2: I'm good, Scotty. How about
0: so? I am great, but I'm getting better every day, or that's why I keep telling myself. Uh, I don't remember the last time I saw you, possibly at the last race of the season last year. You had some Triumphs on display uh, at Daytona Short Track, but I, I, I'm trying to think if that's the last time I've seen you. Can you remember the last time you seen me?
2: Yeah, I saw you a little bit at Felucia for the first, oh. first two. All right, okay. I... We didn't get too far because when we... <laughs> Ronnie went out and practiced, and he liked the bikes, so we we didn't really have Ronnie to race. We had him signed up to race, but we wanted to attract some young stud out there, and Mikey and decided he was going to take it out and try it. And unfortunately, third time around, when he started to feel comfortable, he found some, some mud up there coming out of turn, I guess it would be turn four, yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and put it down, and, and it, it took a couple of bad bounces, so we were out.
0: Okay. well, I, I, I was going to get into that a little bit later on. I still want to talk about that a little bit more, too, but uh, I want to go mm-hmm. – let's go way back. I don't even, I don't honestly know much about your background other than you, and and when I think of you, I think of Triumph and vice versa, but I want to go back and get to know you personally a little bit more. Uh, Bill, where were okay. you born? Washington D.C. Washington D.C. Born.
2: born, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's actually people born there.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever talked to that was born in Washington D.C. Are you related to one of the presidents or something? I mean, that's. Uh, I think Washington D.C. I think politics.
2: Yes, you do. But there, at at one time, Washington D.C. was as although a political city, always had quite a bit of industry. It had two big breweries. It had huge machine operations there, machine shop operations, and it had a Navy yard in Washington, D.C. So Mm -hmm. my Irish side, my granddad was a first-generation American from Irish immigrants, and he was a master machinist for the the U.S. Navy. Wow. And that's why we grew up in Washington, D.C., because he was at the Navy yard there. He machine the breaches for the New Jersey and Missouri. That's amazing.
0: I love that. So how long how long did you live in Washington DC?
2: I lived there m- most of my youth. I, I went to grammar school eight years back and it was eight years of grammar school and four years of high school in the city and mm-hmm. parochial schools there. And when I graduated from high school i had already enlisted in the Marine Corps, and my next place was Parris Island, South Carolina. Eight weeks there and two more weeks of basic infantry training in North Carolina. Three more weeks of advanced infantry training in Camp Pendleton, and then I took that long 10,000-mile flight to Vietnam.
0: Oh, my gosh. So
2: so in 67, late September 67, I was in Vietnam. Wow. Well, I graduated in May. I was on the ground fighting in late September.
0: Wow, that's uh, I just as as a guy growing up, you know, I was born in '72. I haven't been involved where people, you know, graduate high school and then go straight to the military and then go straight off to war. So I can't imagine the times like that. And I thank you for your service. At, At what point did you learn to? Work on motorcycles, or or did you did you evolve into going to motorcycle races? Was that before you went into the military, or after?
2: Oh, much before that. My granddad, a machinist, was also a huge motorcycle enthusiast. He was a big in hill, into hill climb and big in the flat track. He had he had been an engine builder for some of the board track people going way back, and on Indians, of course. Mm-hmm. His whole his whole world was about the Indian, and he had his own scout and his own chief, and I think in 24, he bought a new chief, if I'm not mistaken, and he went cross-country, all the way from Washington, D.C. to Tijuana, Mexico.
0: Oh, my gosh. By himself.
2: By himself Amazing. on that Indian. And, you know, we got the photos to prove it, so...
0: Do you guys still happen to have any of his motorcycles?
2: Yeah, we we actually have a cousin has both the the scout and the chief fully restored.
0: Oh my gosh. So they're that's, that's they're great.
2: just gorgeous, gorgeous bikes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But his his whole life was centered on motorcycles and baseball. Okay. And so we, we learned a lot about motorcycles from him and everything about baseball. So,
0: so when did you first ride a motorcycle or I don't even know if you did ride a motorcycle back then? I mean I know I know you as a builder, as a tuner, as a team owner, but let's go back to again, you know, learning from your grandfather. Did you ever try flat track racing?
2: No, because I wasn't allowed to do that. But I <laughs> did first start riding motorcycles. I think the first ride it took I was maybe ten years old on his scalp. So Wow. Soon Soon after that, it or a few years after that, it it remained untouched um, for many many years. And but I rode a lot of different motorcycles from the time I was ten, and I purchased my first one when yeah. I was fifteen years old. But I I couldn't touch a motorcycle unless I knew how to fix it. Well, was that grandfather's maintain, rules, maintain. or was that your dad's rules? Grandfather's Office. My granddad's rules, it was also my dad's rules. So okay. All right. He was the same way. My dad was a huge motorcycle enthusiast and he did flat track. I had to, I was off the war when my brother started flat tracking. And so, wow. District 6 and 7. And they, they were on Triumphs. My dad was on a Triumph. I got to know a lot of the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area flat trackers, guys like Gary Nixon and Eddie Atkins, and Dave DeMace spent a little time in those two districts. And so I, I got to know people way back, for so many so, years back.
0: So that's amazing. So that was one of my questions is how you got into Triumphs. It sounds like it was from your brothers and your dad.
2: No, I, I got into it because it, it was our, our brand always. We were, we were dedicated Triumph guys, always. Okay. Um, my brother Jim still has his Rickman frame 750. Still races it today. He's wow. you know he, he he raced back when Dave Atherton was on the track. So okay, that's how far back we got. Matter of fact, they still get on the track occasionally together. So.
0: Yeah, I, I I see Dave occasionally more more so than I see your brother. But uh, I love how yeah. how there are, are Triumph fans and they are loyal Triumph fans. You know, just like. Well, my grandpa wrote for or had some help from Triumph for a little while, but then he switched on over to bull tacos and he's been a, a loyal bull taco guy since that moment. Why was your family so loyal to
2: triumph? Well, my granddad was good friends with a guy named Herb Ryber, who was, a, who ran the Washington DC dealership for triumph. Okay. And he was also one of the first sponsors for Joe Leonard. And he was a, one of the first sponsors for gary nixon on triumphs so. wow yeah and, and that's i got introduced to triumph in in ryber's shop you know I'd, I'd have done anything i'd have swept the floors for free just to hang around and look at the bikes
0: <laughs> I've heard stories like that before. So when did you start working on bikes? I mean, did, after the war, when you came back, what was your next step? Is that when you started really working on motorcycles? Or, or tell me what happened after you got back.
2: I worked. My brother, uh, Jim, had become certified Triumph mechanic at a local dealership. So I learned from him on Triumphs, mostly from Jim. And then later, my brother, Steve, who's the crew chief on our team, probably the one of the best motorcycle mechanics I can find anywhere. I mean, there are guys much better, but on Triumph, I don't think you'll find another guy that's as, as good as Steve, especially on the modern Triumphs. But I, I've been working on bikes or building bikes going back probably early 70s, and then I had a full-time career in law enforcement for about 30, a little more than 30 years, so my all the bike stuff was part time, and occasionally I'd get out. Depending on where I was stationed around the country, I'd be at the flat track races. Depending, right. you know, if I was living on the West Coast, East Coast, I could find my way to, you know, the Midwest. For a race, I'd show up, not, so not, was... not as a participant, but as a spectator, or I'd, I'd find my way into the paddock to see, to see old friends.
0: And to see what's going on, see what you've been missing. At what point did you start Bonneville Performance Street Trackers? I've seen some beautiful photos. I, I did some research on you earlier today, and you were making street-legal Bonneville Performance Street Trackers. When when did all that happen?
2: When the 01 Triumph Bonneville, that was a comeback for Bonnevilles, or Triumph's twins, anyway. They had been doing triples from, I think, late late or mid to late 90s they started doing triples again like they knocked off the Kawasaki triple or something and framed it that's after John Bloor bought the brand and then they came out with a new so I ordered one of the first ones and I didn't ride it away from the shop I put it on a on my pickup truck took it home and took it apart took the engine out and took the engine apart to see if it was raceable. That was in two, April 2001. And when I and I saw it, the design of it, I knew it was it could be a good race platform. And a year later, they came out with a 270 crank, which meant I didn't have to build the crank; they already had one. And then in '04, I built the first race engine and the first race chassis. I did that with the help of Dave Fussner at Wise Co and pretty good chassis builder at Harley-Davidson dealership in um, Frederick, Maryland, real, real, literally across the street from Frederick, Yamaha.
0: Okay. We're going to be in Frederick here on the 4th of July for the 100th running of the Barbara Fritchie Classic, and I'm trying to get my partner in this uh, podcast, Chris Carter, to go up there and check it out, and I think it's going to be a huge event this year.
2: I hope it is. It's it's always been a great event. I mean, it's It's always been a sketchy track, but it's it's great people put it on and just you see some of the best people in the flat track show up.
0: Absolutely. I I think part of the sketchy track is kind of what draws the spectators and and the riders show up because it's it's such a historic event. And and what a unique track. You know, you go uphill on the front straightaway, you have tight turns, and you go downhill on the back straightaway. I've never seen a track like that ever. Mm -hmm.
2: Ever And turn two, you'll never see that anywhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree. That, th- that
2: thing is utterly treacherous.
0: Yep, it, it it's like a magnet to, to pull in the bikes different directions or something. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. So uh, let's get not back many, into... Not many people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got you. Not many people can figure that corner out. So when you do, you probably end up up front. Let's go back to the early 2000s, and you started a race team, Um what what year do you remember that you got on the Grand National Circuit? I I, I I think back, and there were two Triumph teams running. I think Latest had a team, and then you guys had a team. And I know for sure Mikey mm-hmm. Martin rode for you. Can you tell me some of the other riders that rode for you in, in the early 2000s? Yeah.
2: and uh, Our first race was here at Felicia. It was a hot shoe um, just before the Daytona National.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we got... Signed up at the Hot Shoe. I walked in there, no rider. I looked around for some people I knew. And, of course, people came over because nobody had seen the Triumph at the track for dozens of years. Or mm-hmm. at least a dozen years. Oh Well, Chris Carr came over, and then and then um, his tuner came over.
0: Uh, Kenny Tolbert?
2: Kenny Tol- Tolbert came over. And then it was, I think, the Prez came over right after that. Okay was talking to me. Yeah. And and he in, introduced his son to me, who was at the time number twelve, and he took the bike out and practiced with it. Decided he was going to race it. He lined up in the in the heat with Carr and I think I'm trying to remember there was Carr out there with him and maybe Jay Springsteen was still racing and Kevin Atherton and and a couple of the older riders, and he got the whole shot coming off the line, got around the track and led it for a lap, came back around the turn two, and we had a rev limiter on the bike, and he hit the rev limiter and it shut down. Thank God oh, nobody, no, oh. nobody hit him. But we knew it had some some ability to, to perform, so I think we our next couple of races. That year, I think we did about half a season in five, and then we went on to do full seasons, or almost a full season in six, but a full season from seven on through, through 16.
0: How long did Jason Tire ride for you?
2: He rode for us uh, that first season. I think he rode up until Chicago, and then he had to back back out. He had some problems. That he had to deal with, and yeah, actually, at Joliet was his last race. That's okay. that's the last time he was. There. So he did, and I think we were at Joliet in month seven.
0: Yes, that was the last time we were there.
2: Yep, that's the last time we were there. But I think we were there before we went there. First in five or six, I forget which. I, I think we're there in five, and, that then his, reigned, and then
0: we rained, and then we rained out. No six, if I remember.
2: Right. Then we rained out. You're right. So that was his last race. Was Joliet? Jason ran Joliet. and That was it. He had. He and his dad were both really, really great guys. Yep. And, and you learn. You learn especially from the press. You learned a lot from him.
0: Absolutely. I missed the press for sure. It's. Uh... It was sad that we lost him. So who who is the next rider after Jason Tyre?
2: We signed up a young guy, and I'm but <laughs> desperate to remember his name right now. We we went to uh two events with him and he, he was doing pretty good. And then we went to the Frederick race, the Barbara fritchie race, and he went out there, he had two he had us and he was running a single, he had a rotax. And he got into some deep stuff between three and four and he literally flew head over to handlebars and did a header into the ground. And had to be hella hella lifted out of there. They mm. got a helicopter in there and took him to a trauma center, um, in Baltimore. And so, you know, it was <laughs> it was you know, a real Terrible day for him and us, and and uh, he came out of it okay. And I, I, he was only there with us for about three races.
0: Do you remember his number? And maybe I can pull a name out of my hat.
2: Twenty-two, and I'm trying to remember his district. I think it was at District Six. I'm pretty sure it was because he lived in Baltimore. Hmm. Twenty-two.
0: Yeah, you got me stumped also. So the district up there is an S, probably or an A, or an A is Pennsylvania. So, is anyways, Pennsylvania, but yeah, got me stumped. Was, you, stumped yeah. you stumped me.
2: Sorry, Wait, that's no, all right. Guys, <laughs> smarter than me. <laughs> that, that'll <laughs> pull it right out of their hat. I'm you.
0: sure. I'm sure they'll be t- they'll, they'll, they'll be yelling at their at their speakers right now, trying to help us figure it out. So who was the next rider after that rider? that We can't remember who it was.
2: Um, we did some we did some Ohio races with Jess Roter, and we picked up a young guy out of Pennsylvania, number thirty-five. And we did probably half a season with him, and then we got he's national number seventy-one now, but he used to be seventy-five. Pat Buchanan? No, not Pat. No, okay. not se I know that's seventy-one now. You're right, but before yep. before him, before Pat. Don is his first name. It's not me. Yeah,
0: Don Don Mullen. That's right, Don Mullen.
2: Mullen, Mullen. Yep. Don Mullen, Donnie Mullen. Yep. And 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 Donnie did good. He just he just didn't have his heart in the in the flat track. He did good, and then we picked up Brian. He was he was national number twenty five back then. Brian, Phil-
0: Brian Phillips. Right, Brian Phillips. That's there you up. go.
2: Brian did actually real good. I remember we were, we were at the Indy Mile, and he got in the semi with Danny Eslick's brother, and they they were battling it the whole time. And and then Brian got got himself in some personal problems, and, and uh, then we we picked up Sean Bear, who was really great with us. I, I really to this day have a lot of respect for Sean and, and what he did for us.
0: Sean's a good guy, and he's he's mechanically smart, so I think that would make it easier...
2: Very smart, yeah. And a ...to mach- talk you know, to. a machinist by, by trade, yeah.
0: So when did, when did the and, operation shut down, and then you took a hiatus, so when when did you decide to walk well, away from the after
2: track? Actually, things really boomed for us. Um, Triumph approached me, and I'd been writing letters to Triumph every year. I've been on the track since five, so... I was kind of shocked. I thought somebody was it was one of those bogus calls where somebody calls you up and says, Hey, this is Triumph, we wanna support you and I almost hung up or or said something rude. But Triumph did call, a guy named Greg Heichelbeck. And we got together and in twelve we were we were the Triumph team and we picked up Mikey Martin at the end of he I think he won the championship in eleven singles mm-hmm. champ. And I think it was eleven. And we we got him at the at the event there, you know, at the banquet, and made a deal with him, and he was our rider for three years for Triumph, and then we picked up Jake Shoemaker. Jake was our rider for for the next two years, and then Triumph dropped out of flat track at the end of '16.
0: And so you 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 went away and then you left for a little while, and next thing I know, you're back at the racetrack last year And at the end of the season, and you had Mm -hmm. two beautiful flat trackers sitting there, so what made you come back?
2: Well, you know, I never wanted to leave, and and I had to do something to get Triumph back, so I thought, well, they're not going to support their old twin because they're marketing a new twin, and to get their support I'll see what I can do with the new twin. But that new twin is not a Cosworth engine. It's a strictly Brit- all-British design. There isn't the same part in the new twin that there is in the old twin. Even though they're, you know, they came from the factory as 950-wheel horsepower bikes, both of them, mm-hmm. there's not a same part in either engine. And wow. even though they look externally, they look almost the same, or it's very similar. Um, it, they're completely different. And when I opened up the first water cool dungeon, um, because Triumph sent me to their tech school, uh, I said, oh my God, this, this thing's going to be a nightmare trying to turn it, turned, it turned into a race platform. But. But we were able to put the first one together probably in late 17. We had an engine together, like a test platform, and we were able to literally double the horsepower from from 49 to like 97.
0: That's incredible.
2: Um, Yeah, well, you can do almost anything with money. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll have to remember but, that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you gotta get you gotta get smarter people than you to, to give you some ideas. And we lean a lot on on guys like Eddie Atkins. Um because every everybody thinks of Eddie Atkins, they think of Harley Davidson and and you know um, all the great writers you had out there from Cool Beth. Rodney Ferris and and uh, the list goes on <laughs> with a lot of with a lot of great podiums and wins. So we leaned on Eddie again and he came up with some ideas. And even within the last month he's come up with another idea. So we gone we've gone through probably six iterations of that engine. And this is all on me now. And that's why it's taken so long. Okay. I can only earn so much money at a time. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, it's not like it, you know, I've got any rich friends that are dying to see a triumph on the track. That's not happening. so And then I hooked up in late eighteen, I hooked up with an engineer that had an idea for an anti-squat, anti-dive chassis mechanical. Not a MotoGP style where you just, you know, build it into the computer. So, so I actually, I went down to Mexico, in Monterey, Mexico, at a fab shop down there because he's, although he's a U.S. guy, he has two manufacturing um, plants down there where he makes oil and gas equipment. So I went down to one of his fab shops and met a lot of these hot rod guys that build mostly... Four-wheel stuff down Monterey, and we did a prototype of that chassis. I, I took a chassis we had built and we modified it, and then we've done four iterations of it. To so even today, I was in the fab shop here, and I saw all that since Monterey we've done here in Daytona Beach. Um, we're on our our fourth iteration and we have had Ronnie Jones is a test pilot now for over two years and he's put five, 600 laps on this thing. And it actually does what it's, you know, what it's engineered to do. It actually eliminates squat and dive and it does it mechanically. Um, wow. So one of the amazing things about it, no matter who, Gets on it. You cannot lift the front wheel off the ground. It won't do it. Well, that's um, a
0: good thing, right? That's what you want. That's a great
2: thing. <laughs> that's a great thing, and it and it evenly compresses as you apply power to the from the counter shaft bracket to the drive sprocket. It compresses both wheels evenly to the surface. So you Perfect. have to kind of learn how to stay on the gas because you want that you want that feeling all the time. So So and, and Ronnie being a, an adaptive you know, writer it was the perfect guy to to take us through the different you know, with his feedback to take us through the different changes that we made and it all got better every time. We even we even put Danny Eslick on it once and and you know how Danny is, you know. I think he's I said, take it around a few laps till so you feel good. About a half a lap in, he was full throttle. So, <laughs> so I guess he felt good. We'll have yeah. to assume he felt. Good.
0: Right. So there was a tire test at the end of last year, and I, I was told that Ronnie yeah. Jones wrote it and Danny Eslick wrote it. Is that is that the times you're talking about right now that he he jumped on it, felt comfortable yeah. right away?
2: Oh, but yeah, but Ronnie had ridden it three times before that, and then he's r- ridden it twice after that. so... Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and Danny, that was our third iteration of it, and 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 we we made changes after that test. We rebuilt the swing arms on both of them after that. Yeah.
0: Well, let's fast forward a little bit. There was a, a you know, we started talking about it at the, at the top of the episode. Uh, the day before the Volusia round number one this year, there was a test day, and Ronnie Jones wrote it, and you said Michael wrote it and somehow got into a little bit of mud and, and crashed it. I heard a lot of different rumors of why you, you guys didn't race the next day. Was the bike just tore up that bad, or was there other circumstances oh, yeah. why you guys didn't race?
2: Well, that's it. The bike <laughs> it was not raceable, trust me. we had We had to take it down and... We actually had to repair the chassis. We had we had issues. And and I'd, I'm never going to put a rider on a bike that I don't have complete confidence in. And I also made a, a rule within the team going back to seven that we'd never show up in another national with one bike. Mm-hmm. So... That that you know both of those are you know uh, almost the direct line of failure. So, so so I didn't I didn't want to put and Mikey was kind of, even though he he got back out there and raced the rest of the day he was not really feeling great after hitting the ground the way he did so and and I did I didn't want him on a bike he was completely unfamiliar with that it just thrown it it really didn't throw my on the ground he hit mud and nobody stays up when they're in mud unless they're damn lucky but <laughs> um yeah <laughs> i don't know how you do that but you know there's some guys that can get through anything but but it it hurt him you know it didn't so you know it's it's just not it just wasn't the time to Go back and race. It wasn't. It wasn't a smart move, and I and I was almost positive that we had bent the chassis on that crash because it, it hit the ground, bounced, hit again, and then hit a third time. Mm. So so it it went, it didn't look like much, but it it didn't. I tell you what, we had one break in half at at um, Sturgis at the half mile. And we knew that was terrible because we got broadsided about 80 miles an hour. So, Yeah. Um, but just, you know, I could tell when I was pushing it back down to the paddock, that it, that it wasn't right. And I was right. When I took it apart the next day, it, it definitely wasn't right. We put it back in a welding and it needed to be straightened. So,
0: well, I think... You know, being around the sport, as long as you have and I have, sounds like you made a good call. And, and you can tell when something's just not right. So it's definitely not worth it to put somebody out there on something that's that's tore up no. or that you have you know, an opinion that it's not right.
2: No, it, you know, and it's all on me. And yeah. You know, I build these chassis. My brother and I build the engines. Um, it's on us. I can't go along. You know this is a J&M or C&J and it's okay and you know I know what that chassis is you know I'm there when it's designed and I'm there when it's you know cut and matched and welded so
0: I, I love that I love that um that's going to bring us up to date pretty much, and can't wait to see a Triumph back on the racetrack. I, I'm so excited, and I know there are diehard Triumph fans, just like there's diehard you know, Harley-Davidson fans and stuff like that. So I know you're going to have a lot of support you know, right off the bat. Um, I want to back up and ask you a question about the past, because I remember you, you always helped veterans, and I can't remember which organization you helped out, but you would have a vet for the day come and be a, a, an honorary mechanic. Um, and that and that brings me up to what happened recently too. You and Eric Hartley with Evil Hours are teamed up, and I think that's going to start happening again. Under uh, that's how I understand it.
2: If I if I can get AFT to allow them to come in, you know, I have to I have to go by the rule book. And when I had Vet Motorsports on board, it was easy, uh, and I, it was that was a really great organization. I would get, and what I wanted to do was help these guys kind of get back into the competitive, edgy lifestyle that they had. And I kind—I understand that because I, I went through all that stuff myself. So, but they love being on a the team. They love competition. I mean, when you think about it, these guys now have been on three, four or even more deployments in a 10- in a or a 12-year career, and then they're out because of severe wounds and, and uh, traumatic head injuries and traumatic brain injury. So, and they're coming back, and and Eric's group all have really good skills. You know, they're from that environment, you know, the mechanical machine you know, air, mostly aircraft mechanicals stuff, but but they're all been part of the team, and I'd love to get them back into the paddock to you know, with combat wounded vet, you know they're on the team. Um, we had as many as two and three at at different events, um, especially at springfield and Flymo, and some of the you know the bigger, better races. Or venues we I, I remember having them out at Sacramento and down at Pomona I mean we had them in a, many of the different events so. yeah I love that and that that charity is really you know I don't want to, anyone to think that I'm trying to bring a charity into the paddock that does anything like um the class of seventy nine i mean they it's a completely different scenario where you just you know I'm not in there doing anything except trying to get some of these vets you know back into the mainstream and in a really great situation where they're on a you know a, you know a big league motorcycle race team and it's, it's really a great feeling for. Them.
0: Yeah, I think it's great what you're doing. I watched it in the past, and and to see the guys smile and just to be part of a team with a purpose again. I think I think that's what it's all about.
2: It it is, you know. They, you know, I would uh, show up with team shirts. Triumph always made me a bunch of extra team shirts for these guys, and and they were, and they were really really. Excited about it and grateful to do it. Worked their asses in paddock. They they were there, you know, hundred percent. And it didn't matter if you know some of these race days go fourteen hours, and Mm -hmm. and you never heard anything except, what else can I do?
0: Yeah, that's great. So, is this just Oklahoma City uh, a, a test with Danny, or just going to wait and see how it goes? Or or is it something you can talk well, about yet?
2: It, it, you know, I'm hoping that Danny does great and, and hangs with us for the rest of the season. I, you know, but you, you always hope for the best. You know, of course. You put together the best bike you, you can, and, and Danny's an exceptional rider. He can ride anything. you know know, if he was an old pilot you know there's a thing if you put two matchsticks on a box you know he'll find a way to fly it he put two (laughs) wheels on a chassis and danny will find a way to race
0: it absolutely if anybody can do it he can so what are your expectations for for oklahoma city and beyond
2: I'm hoping that we we can get back to as many events as I can afford to get back to this year. Um, of course, we'd be in production twins until you know. I'd love to get back in the you know the expert class, the premier class, but you got to find real sponsorship these days to do that. So
0: okay, well,
2: as long as it's just me. Um, Putting the program together, I can I can only do, you know, what's what's in the budget, and I'm, I've literally gone back to my old career to earn money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? So
0: yeah, I, I hear you. But I anyways, know flat track flat track's an expensive sport, so that brings me to my next question: Are you or have you talked to yeah. Triumph about coming back?
2: Yeah, I have, and and I actually sent them a budget and although they were extremely polite about telling me it's not in their budget to support mine um, that they are very excited about me coming back Um, I've kept like an email relationship with Nick Bloor the owner or the the son of the owner of Triumph and he by um, profession is a design engineer so he's extremely interested in what what we do, insofar um, in so far as chassis development and engine you know, race engine platform development, you know. They're deep, you know, they're at least waist deep in Moto two um in, in Moto G P the last couple of years. So that's where their money is. That's where their race program is. So if yeah. I could just get their, their, you know, their tire budget for, like, four races, I'd be good. You'd be set for the year. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'm, you know, I, I could be doing real well. There you go. So we're already th- in Eskison Estes, in Village. I'd be doing good. <laughs>
0: i hear you so we're already near the end of the episode and and i just got to tell you that graham was a huge fan of you and your team it didn't matter what rider was riding for you because she loves triumph as a matter of fact she Mm -hmm. went out to california with my grandpa and they brought back a triumph and and she she couldn't remember what year it was but she would ride that that twin around sioux falls south dakota and it, it was they were they were calling it the toe shift because all the other bikes up there were <laughs> still using the hand shift, you know. So it was the first, I guess, yeah, you know, foot shift right. motorcycle Triumph there in Sioux Falls. So she she loves Triumph, and she cannot wait to hear this episode. But she knows uh, all about Triumphs, but she wants to know what is your favorite Triumph, or what is your favorite one to work on?
2: Actually, my favorite one to work on is it was that air-cooled twin. I still do a lot of... Not, not so much lately. Since, since Father Joe scared off everybody back to their basements, um, nobody's spending any money. But I, I did, and have built many uh, custom uh, Triumph Twins, built the engines and modified chassis and stuff like that for street guys. Yeah. You know, i s I've made quite a bit of money doing that during Trump's four years and I spent that all all every penny of it, um, developing these new triumph race bikes.
0: Just to go racing. I love it. I love it. So to, we
2: yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I did with it. So, yeah, so you got my confession. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like they it come so
2: here. Yeah, they're, they're, they come here with a straitjacket. I'll know who gave me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they heard it right here on Off the Groove. So we we end we end this uh, with some rapid fire questions. So I ask you some quick quick questions, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, what is your okay. favorite bike that you've ever ridden?
2: Uh, my seventy three Triumph Bonneville um, that I bought brand new at. At free state cycle in nineteen seventy three <laughs> do you still have that one that was my I still do as much oh. it was i love that bike yeah
0: what's your favorite racetrack?
2: track Springfield <laughs> Springfield i love yep. that track yep it is the holy grail of flat track great thing.
0: i I agree with you one hundred percent who's your, who's your favorite flat track of all time?
2: All-time, um, you know, that's that's a that's a tough one because I'm so old. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, if I was just to, to read my granddad's Bible, be Joe Leonard, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: I, I, of all-time, I mean, there's been so many great guys who I love to watch, even to this day. I I love to watch Jay Springsteen race. He was... He was so exciting. <laughs> yeah, you know, even Kevin Atherton. Some of the races I watched him in. Um, he was amazing. The stuff he could do. Yeah. And there were so many guys that made it look so easy. You, you just go, why? You know. <laughs> um, yeah. That what you you wondered why they didn't fall asleep on the bike. <laughs>
0: They're out there just cruising around, yeah. What, uh, yeah, what just, current... yeah, it was like a Sunday <laughs> ride, yeah, yeah. What right, what current rider excites you today?
2: Well, you know, um, probably I'm gonna it's a toss up between Brian Smith and and Jeff Carver, uh, Smith, Carver, and Jared Meigs. Okay. That's I mean, I those guys, none of them know how to give up. Never give up. Yeah, that's that's what a great They're, racer does. I, that's for that's sure. That's why I love watching because they just never give up.
0: Love it. Who's your favorite person to go bench racing with?
2: Well, probably my brother. You know, because he's the only one that can tolerate me for that many <laughs> that many hours. Yeah. <laughs> My brother Steve. I've got six brothers, so I'll say my brother Steve.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you better clarify, I know you got at least two. So, we noticed when we called you, you have a phone number from Gardena, California, and that's where Ascot was. So, are you just keeping that so everybody knows that's where you're from?
2: Well, I actually lived in Redonda Beach for almost 12 years. So, and... And somehow they gave me a Gardena number, and I never gave it up. So.
0: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And I guess my my last question is is one we borrow from uh, Dave Despain. What are you most proud of?
2: Well, being a U.S. Marine, I'm, I'm sorry. I, if that offends anyone, <laughs> you can you can cut it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Being I'm. I'm. I'm glad you are, and I, again, I thank you for your service. I mean, I, I. I wouldn't be. No, absolutely not. We're not cutting that. That's amazing, and we appreciate it. And uh, before yeah, we, we
2: let you, we go. don't want to. You know, just so we don't offend anyone anymore. <laughs>
0: I, I, I don't care if yeah, I offend I, anybody.
2: <laughs> well, no, being a marine, nor do I.
0: There you go. And before we let you go, do you want to say thank you to anyone?
2: Yeah, I want to. I want to thank my, my my dad, and my granddad, and my brother Steve, for keeping me in this. Uh, they, I always dream. They always dreamed of having a national team. Um, they passed it on to me, and I, and I brought it to my brother Steve one day, and I said, "What do you think about this?" and He said, oh, "Yeah, yeah, I'm in." <laughs> so, nice. That's he awesome. didn't say as long as you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot that part. Yeah, but there oh. are many, and and I don't want to leave out uh, you know, Eddie Atkins and and all the guys that that have stuck with me. And and Rick Harrington's one of those guys. You know, that's our secret that we talk, but I tell him everything. He gives me nothing. All
0: right? <laughs> yep, there you go. It's a vault. It goes in a <laughs> vault. I get it. Well, Bill Gately, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Best of luck in Oklahoma
1: City.
2: Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll
1: tell you what, dude. Even if that motorcycle didn't finish well this past weekend, it's still pretty damn impressive what he's been able to do to put something together to get a bike on track for sure.
0: It, it's It's a beautiful motorcycle. Uh, what I like, I talked to Danny Essek about it and he said when they te- they've tested it, you know, at four or five times before this weekend, he said he would try his hardest to yank the front wheel and, and pull a wheelie. And it won't even do that. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. That means it's got so much traction and, but it's, it's the motorcycle is sticking to the ground and that's what they want it to do. So right. they've, they've got a new chassis design. He talked about that in the interview. Um, and they're finding horsepower I think it's gonna it'll be a front runner before too much longer
1: yeah and even though they, like I said they might not be finest success they're learning and he's not gonna give up until I think they're they're back uh, winning uh, winning races it so, it's just cool to see another brand out there competing as well too so um, kudos to that awesome to hear his story I didn't know that he was a cop for so long that was pretty damn cool really cool story um, so yeah and, and I'm sure we haven't heard the last of uh, of Bill Gately for sure in the Triumph team
0: absolutely it was was great you know that's that's why we do this podcast you know carter we talked about that from the get-go we're learning more about the people in our sport i didn't know he was a police officer either i had no idea um i i didn't know he was in the military i mean it's it you know when i see people at the track it's we talk about racing yeah. And to get the backstory definitely makes it worthwhile. So uh, thanks to Bill for taking the time to come on our podcast. And we wish you much success. Can't wait to see the Triumph up front.
1: Absolutely. What, you, uh, you getting ready to uh, head to Barber Fritchie right now? Or when are you rolling out?
0: Well, I'm, I'm leaving Saturday morning because mm-hmm. it's a Sunday race. So I'll leave Saturday morning, come right back on Monday. When are you heading out to motocross?
1: When are you going uh, to Michigan? Tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon. Oh, this is Thursday, so yeah, tomorrow afternoon right on and so you'll you'll you fly to chicago and then drive on over yep yep driving red about bud a couple of an hour a little over an hour to red bud, red bud red bud i was there last year
0: watched adam c and cirillo get his first overall i was there i witnessed it i called it
1: the uh, the crowd is insane for red bud red bud red bud, red 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 bud, bud. Red red bud. bud. you can't just say it once um I can't wait to get I out there know. can't wait to see what's going on uh, the racing has been pretty insane, dude I've always said that like been impressed with what they're able to do from like an endurance standpoint, but The racing ins- was insane last round like I've never seen race I've never said that about this series and I feel like the racing is just is pretty impressive.
0: You, you you said moto two in the 450s was the best motocross race you've ever seen hands down and i think was, was that last week or hands down that the week before
1: it was yeah last, last week, week at, before, at, high, right? at high point yeah
0: yeah that's amazing two I, weekends again. I, I guess yeah. i didn't i didn't go back and watch it i don't even know who won but uh in I, there's insane. some surprise names up there right like roxon has been doing good and yeah. Outdoor he usually just does good in in supercross
1: so uh it's cool there's different people in the ball game Good stuff. good to have some fun. Uh, have fun at that Barbara Fritchie Classic, man. I might try to make a crazy uh, last-minute audible change. We'll see how that goes. Probably won't happen, but um, I would love to I'm make not, it I was out gonna there. Say, for I'm one. not holding my breath. If it's really the 100th, like that's a super crazy, cool. Look. That's what they say. I know. We should definitely right. want to make it out for that, though. All right. Um, I'm, definitely, uh, I'm definitely. I'm definitely bringing home some souvenirs. I
0: promise you that.
1: BP 92 192. That's a lock.
0: That's our episode, 192, and he's number 92. You know why, you know why he runs number
1: 92? You um, heard that story? Something having Come to on. do with the Maryland rider. Yep, exactly. Hot Rod. Hot Rod, yeah, Rodney Hot Rod. Ferris. You remember Hot Rod?
0: Hot Rod Rodney Ferris, Cody number Kopp? 92, was from Maryland. Nope. Mm. The original 92. Mm. The original Hot Rod, Rodney Ferris, was number 92. Brandon Price actually has the same font as well. So oh, wow. I took a picture... Yeah, I took a picture of his little front number plate on his little Super 73 bicycle and sent it to you last week because uh, he was hanging out in turn number two uh, there at Lima with uh, Johnny Johnny Lewis, of all people. So I, nice, you know, just weird. They were kind of like right over here where I was recording outside of turn number two. So hmm. all right, man. Well, keep it on four wheels. Enjoy Red Bud. And I'm going to enjoy some barber fishing. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Later.
1: Going to Red, Bud,
2: Red Bud, Red Bud. You and your toys.